This is Melissa Lau, Associate Pastor of Congregational Care and Missions at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. Throughout January, we will be exploring a biblical approach to the usage of the Enneagram for our spiritual formation. Please jump in and learn along with us as we go on this transformative journey. Thanks again for listening. God bless. Our New Testament text for the day is found in Paul's letter to the Colossians, beginning at the first verse of chapter 3. This is what Paul wrote. So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, Paul says, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. I've always found it interesting that Paul here defines greed as idolatry. He continues, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. There are ways, these are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life, but now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, or the word there actually can be translated rage. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouths. Some of the translations translate the Greek into English as filthy language from your mouth. And then I particularly want us to focus on verses 9 and 10 where Paul says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. This is the Word of God. The Friday after I turned 16 years old, I went into what my grandmother called public work. In other words, I just went and got a job. And I was working at that job on the Friday after I turned 16 years old. That job was a job that I had received at Belk's department store. In my hometown of Gastonia, North Carolina, it's Matthews Belk. I worked there for seven years, from the Friday after I turned 16 years old, all the way through high school and through part of college. I worked several jobs there at the belt department store. I worked selling shoes to men, women, and children, and I worked selling men's clothing for a while. 
It was an informative seven years for me when I was very young. I learned, I think, more about human nature, selling shoes to men, women, children, and clothing to men than I ever was taught about human nature in seminary. I learned that some people are very particular about their clothing very particular about following the fashions of the day. Since the Garden of Eden, we human beings have been rather enamored with our clothing. Here in Paul's letter to the church at Colossae and elsewhere in Paul's writings, Paul uses the image of putting on new clothes and taking off old clothes as a way of viewing the spiritual life, as a way of growing in our relationship to Jesus Christ. Eugene Peterson's paraphrased translation of the Greek and the Hebrew into what is termed the message translates that part of this text this way. You're done with the old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with His label in it. That's the way Paul talks about putting off the old self, putting on the new self. The King James translated it, putting off the old man in order to put on the new man. And that's indicative of growth in the spiritual life. As soon as we come to Christ by faith, we develop, we develop an internal struggle within each one of us. And if you've been in the Christian life for any period of time, you are well aware of that internal struggle. That struggle between the old self and the new self, that struggle between the old man, that man, that self that's connected to Adam, that self that is who you are by nature, and its struggle with the new self, who we are becoming in Jesus Christ, because we've been given the mind of Christ, because Christ has taken up residency in us, and from that moment on, we know something about that struggle between the old self and the new self. The new self is struggling to become preeminent in our life, but that old self just doesn't want to let go. The old self expresses itself in many different ways and in ways that are very individual to each one of us. But for just a moment, let me talk about the old self versus the new self in generalities. Most of us know when the old self seeks to control us. Most of us know when the old self is rearing its ugly head. It's there as a result of the old self still living within us post coming to Christ that we are pressured, we are pushed, we are cajoled by that nature, to live a life that's bent, determined 
on just impressing other people. Not necessarily God, but impressing other people. When the old self shows up, that is usually our fearful, defensive, competitive, self-promoting self that shows up. That old self is a very proud self. Most of us know when we're living out of the old self because as we live out of the old self, it drains us of our peace. It drains us of our joy. It is that old self in each one of us that makes it hard for us to listen to the people around us. The old self within us wants to make us always control every conversation. The old self within us is based on pretense. The old self is obsessed with expectations that we create about ourselves, about others, sometimes even about God that motivate the way we live. That old self gives a lot of power to that inner critic that resides within us. The old self within us likes to traffic in shame. That old self residing within us constantly seeks the approval of people around us. A way of summarizing the nature of the old self is that it is a very ego-centered self. And that's who we are by nature. That's who we are when we stand in need of redemption. That's who we are that calls for us to receive the grace that's provided for us in Jesus Christ, the transformation that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. Most of us, if we've been in our Christian life for any amount of time, also recognize when that new self seeks to show up and prevail in our life. It is that new self that's birthed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit that reflects the love of God. It is that new self that, that knows, that knows that there is absolutely nothing that we could ever do to make God love us more or less than God loves us right now. It is that new self residing in us through the power of the Spirit that comprehends that tenacious, unconditional love of God for us. It is that new self that understands, to quote the Apostle Paul, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is that new self seeking to prevail in us that that refuses to traffic in shame. It is the new self seeking to prevail in our lives that is based on truth 
the truth that we know in Jesus Christ. Truth, not based on the illusions that we create about ourselves and others and even God sometimes. It is this new self within us that joyfully receives grace from God, that knows how to rest in God's grace, and that is quick to share God's grace with others. It is this new self within us that gives us the freedom, the freedom to to thrive and to flourish as the people God is creating us to be. It is this new self within us that understands and joyfully accepts that we are not in control. We're not in control of this world. We're not in control of other people. And on most days, we don't even do a good job of being in control of ourselves. And that's why we desperately need the power and the presence of God in our lives. It is this new self residing within us that allows for the Holy Spirit to produce its fruit in us. And you remember the list of the fruit of the Spirit comes from Paul, Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. It's that new self residing in us that is birthing this fruit through the power of the Holy Spirit. In essence, this new self that God has birthed in us through Jesus Christ is a God-centered self. Our old self is an ego-centered self. One of my greatest, one of my favorite, most favorite books to read, and I think I read it annually at least, is C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. I like all of C.S. Lewis's writings, but the one I probably enjoy the most is his fantasy, The Great Divorce. It has nothing to do with earthly marriage. That's not what the title The Great Divorce means. What that fantasy is all about is the great divorce that exists between heaven and hell. The great divorce that exists between heavenly living and hellish living. And C.S. Lewis presents it in the form of a fantasy. Uh, A year ago, July, several of us here in the church went down to Charlotte and saw a theatrical production of the great divorce. Oh, how I miss experiences like that during this season of pandemic. But it will come again at some point. But in that play, in that drama, in that fantasy, the great divorce, what happens is simply this. Some people from hell, some people from the gray town, get in a bus and they make a journey to the outlying regions of heaven. And they get to visit there in the outlying regions of heaven for a while. But because of who they meet, because of the people they encounter, because of what heaven is like, every one of those visitors, except one, gets back on the bus and goes back to hell. There's a great divorce 
between heaven and hell. There's a great divorce between those who want to live heavenly and those who want to live hellishly. In that fantasy, the protagonist, the one who doesn't get back on the bus and goes home back to hell, the protagonist encounters C.S. Lewis's favorite teacher. The teacher that C.S. Lewis quoted in every one of his works, that Scottish preacher George MacDonald. And when the protagonist encounters George MacDonald there in The Great Divorce, George MacDonald says to the protagonist something that has transformed me in the last 30 plus years, but also something that haunts me. George MacDonald says to the protagonist there in The Great Divorce these words, There really are ultimately only two kinds of people. There are those people who look to God and say, Thy will be done. And then there are those people that God will ultimately look to and say, Thy will be done. God-centered living, ego-centered living. Which one is prevailing in you? We all know people that seem to be lost in wonder, love, and praise as they seek to grow that God life within them. And we all know people also that are very small packages all wrapped up in themselves, living their self-absorbed lives. During the month of January, we are, we are talking about what it would take for each one of us to become the very, very best versions of ourselves. What would it take for us to continue on the journey of becoming more and more the people that God has created us to be in Jesus Christ? And God has given us so many tools and gifts that can help us on that journey to become the very best version of ourselves. One of those tools that we're highlighting during the month of January is the Enneagram. There are many different personality tests out there like the Enneagram, but we're rather fond of the Enneagram because of its strong Christian roots. It's one of many personality tests, but the Enneagram is a personality test that has been traced all the way back to the writings of Evagrius of Pontius, a 4th century church father. That 4th century church father who um, gave us what eventually became in Christian tradition the list of the seven deadly sins. The Enneagram in some ways can be traced back to the writings of Evagrius. The Enneagram presents nine basic personality profiles. And while we're all complicated, complex human beings and we all see some of ourselves in each one of those profiles, if we spend time with the Enneagram, even a little time with the Enneagram, we will probably fairly quickly see which one of those nine paint the clearest picture of who we are, of who I am by nature. The Enneagram calls it the false self. 
as opposed to the true self. The false self is that self that we are separated from God. The false self is who we are when we're not being the people God wants us to be in Jesus Christ. The true self is who we're called to be in Jesus Christ. Some people who write about the Enneagram use those phrases, false self versus true self. Some use the phrases adapted self versus authentic self. The authentic self is who we're called to be in Jesus Christ, the best version of ourselves. But the adapted self is that person that we have made ourselves to be because of our circumstances, our past, our upbringing, because what other people have told us about ourselves. But I prefer to use the words old self and new self because that's what Paul calls it in Paul's writings. If you spend some time with the Enneagram, and you can still join Pastor Melissa's class. It started last Wednesday evening. Forty-plus of you have joined that class. It's a Zoom class that's taking place on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. But even if you missed the first class, uh, Pastor Melissa welcomes you to join for this week's class. And even if you missed the first class, you will still glean enough from the subsequent classes to learn how to use the Enneagram as a tool for you to learn a little bit more about yourself. The Enneagram teaches me that, as I said last week, I'm a number one on the Enneagram. And uh, that doesn't mean it's any better or any worse than the other uh, eight personality types with the Enneagram, but I'm a number one. I'm a number one with a uh, strong tendency toward number nine, which is the peacemaker. But I'm a number one. And because of what the Enneagram tells me about me being a number one, I, I, I can learn a lot about myself. And one of the things I can learn about myself from a lot of the people who um, write about the Enneagram is that as a number one, my old self, my natural self, myself separated from the best version of myself, will tend to express itself. And some of you are going to be shocked by this. And I was shocked by it when I first ran across this, the Enneagram, but the longer I've studied it, the more I've had to admit they're right. My old self expresses itself primarily through anger. Now, if you know me, you're probably a little shocked by that because you've probably never seen me angry. But what I've learned about myself is my old self does express itself through anger, but I'm weird about the way I deal with my anger. I'm not as normal as some of you. Some of you, when you're angry, the people around you know it. When I'm angry, you may not know it. And that's probably more dangerous than if I were honest with you about my anger. And sometimes I take my anger, rather than expressing it in normal ways, I just turn it in on myself. And that's why when I look at the Enneagram, and I look at being a number one, and I, I try to study about what the dark side or the adapted self or the false self of a number one tends to be, I, I realize that I've got this issue with anger because I want the world to be a certain way. I want me to be a certain way, and it never is. So, so that makes me open to um, more anger than I really want to live with. But sometimes that anger gets turned inward. So another part of my dark side is that I live with this inner critic. 
this inner critic that is tenacious and loud. That's my old self. My new self in Christ wants to do something about all of that. So the Enneagram can help you learn what is it you need to change, what is it God needs to transform in you, where you need the work of the Spirit's sanctification to become real in order for you to become the best version of yourself. Something else I've learned about my old self is this. It's usually not beneficial for me just to directly attack my old self. There's a more efficient way for me to attack my old self than just directly attack my old self. Let me illustrate what I mean. It doesn't usually do me any good for me to say, Jeff, stop thinking like that. That would be like me saying to you, don't think about a pink elephant. Well, I know exactly what you're thinking about right now. It'd be like me saying to you, don't think about how bad things could get this coming Wednesday on Inauguration Day. As soon as I say that, I, I know what you're thinking about now. So it's not always efficient or very helpful for me to just directly attack my, my dark side, my old self my adapted self, my false self. So what is it I need to do about my old self? I need to learn more about myself. I need to get very honest about myself. The Enneagram helps with that. A lot of other personality profiles will help with that. But the Enneagram helps with that because it points out that my greatest weaknesses and my greatest strength may be the same thing. So the Enneagram will help me get very honest about myself. Sometimes I can just ask people around me and they can help me get honest about myself. But in order for me to, to subdue the old self, I've got to get honest about myself. I've got to acknowledge then what about myself, my old self, that I want to let go of in this life. Sometimes we tenaciously hold on to some of our old self. Some people hold on to their anger. Some people hold on to their bad tempers because they've benefited at times in their life from those. And they haven't quite decided it's time to give them up. But if you want to embrace the better version of yourself, the best version of yourself, you've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to decide what it is you want to let go of and really want to let go of it. And then you flee to Christ. That great love of your soul with whom there is plenteous grace for your transformation and for my transformation. We flee to Christ. We learn more of Christ. We spend more time in His presence. We yield more of our life to Christ. And then, little by little, sometimes maybe in great leaps forward at different seasons in our life, we become more and more and more the best version of ourselves.
Amen.